Hey, we're live again. Hey, we're live. Actually, welcome to yeah. episode four. <laughs> yeah, welcome back to JK Moto. I'm Easton. I'm Cole. And we're here to talk about motorcycles once again. Uh, today, we're going to get into some World Superbike and some Moto America. So let's go ahead and get into it. Yesterday, at one point, I was in six. Hey, so it's good to see you. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, not together this time, obviously. No, back back across the country again. Yeah, so you've been on a you've been on a whirlwind adventure since we were together. Uh, the party hasn't stopped with you. Absolutely not. No, it never stops. Um, speaking of that, I think we need to take a a quick. You know, when you're on the track and you're about to. Maybe you're going into a corner too hot and you know it. And so you stand it up and you go off into the grass. Yeah, you know. Well, I, I would like to take one of those moments into what I would call correction corner. So some corrections from last week. Uh, they're not too big, which is why we didn't do a low side or a high side. We just did a roll into the grass and stop there. Uh, but last week we mentioned that MotoGP riders could shoot shirts into the audience. Um, and then right after... We filmed that episode. I was looking through MotoGP's Instagram and whatnot and watched them shoot shirts into the audience. So that being said, I think a lot of the things we said are still true about other people being there. Um, but I just want to make that quick correction. They are doing some things like that for us. Yeah, we miss that. Uh, it's hard to see everything that's going on everywhere at a track. And I'm sure as, as far as running a track, it's hard to uh, involve everybody as big as those facilities are. Uh, one of our listeners did point out something we should have pointed out last week, headsets. There is the ability to purchase, rent headsets that will give you the play-by-play -play as the race is going on at certain events. I'm not sure if it's at all events, but that is a possibility. Yeah, I definitely remember seeing those. There were probably three or four different booths spread throughout uh, that you could absolutely pick up a headset and probably get the, the actual commentary going on in your headset there and they work as earmuffs you know they had that it was a part of their big what? advertisement <laughs> yeah exactly oh exactly <laughs> we got more of that today so right anyway if that's all for the corrections that's everything i had i don't know if there's anything else from you i think that's good on the corrections uh, well we'll go ahead and get back on track and move on with the episode okay uh starting with world superbike yes sir um, I think I think what I'm going to say about World Superbike today is going to definitely tie in to uh, what we talk about with Moto America later. Okay. Uh, that that being, so World Superbike is in what they're calling the golden era. There's a lot of excitement in World Superbike because for the last, if you look back through, you know, recent history, ten year history, Jonathan Ray on a Kawasaki won, I believe, six six championships straight. Everybody knew that he was just going to win. And then in 2021, you had 
top rack jump onto the scene everybody i mean what an amazing racer he's so fun to watch go go look on youtube you can find videos of him everywhere he's the latest breaker on the field he that's what i was going to say that breaking oh man that breaking he turns that two-wheeler into a one-wheeler all the time <laughs> but top rack took the championship in 2021 and it looked like the rain had changed top rack was gonna who, who knows how many championships he could string together right uh, blink to 2022, Batista back on a Ducati dominates the speed of the Ducati. There's a lot of arguments that have went back and forth saying he's a really small guy um, on a high power bike. Uh, it's unfair for the competition. In the off season, there was a lot of talk about rule changes to weight the bikes so that everybody was on an equal weight. Mm -hmm. uh, my my personal opinion on that. They made the right decision by not making that a rule. But the quote unquote golden era that we were coming into, we're going to see Batista battling Ray, battling Top Rack. It's not just going to be one rider running away from everything anymore in World Superbike. Okay. Well, that's good news. Let me preface real quick. I So I was busy at Moto America today. And on Saturday, I was out doing some other things that we'll talk about at a later date, maybe next week, maybe a couple of weeks, you know, we'll sweep that under the rug for now, but it will definitely be talked about. So I didn't get really any world Superbike just to put that out there. So this is all new to me also. Okay. So the way the season's kind of shaping up in world Superbike, it hasn't, it hasn't went the way I think probably Dorna hoped or World Superbike in general, this golden era, because it has turned into a Batista Ducati fest. <laughs> Nobody has anything for that man. You know, they race basically three races a weekend. They do a race one, race two, and a Super Bowl race. Batista has won the majority of those. And I know we're not going to say spoiler alert anymore, but spoiler alert, he got all three this week. Well, there you go. Results for the race. In the first race, you had... Batista won, Ray finished second with Top Rack coming third. So it's still just kind of your three guys, you know, right. they're in a class of their own. It's a, mm -hmm. you just know those three are going to be at the front. The problem is it's really Batista way out, uh, Top Rack and Ray scrapping it up. Okay. we're So we're talking a pretty big lead then, pretty far. Yeah, generally it was a little closer this weekend actually, but normally he's, you know, he's adding seconds on him. Okay. Once he once he gets to the front, he just leaves. Yeah. Uh, then in the Super Bowl race, we had the same results. It was Batista, Ray, and Top Rack. <laughs> and then when we got into the third race, the third race was, or the excuse me, the second race was probably the best. Um, there was some scrapping back and forth. Both Ray and Top Rack took turns at the lead, taking it from Batista. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it. Turned into the same old Batista show. Ray ended up pushing too hard, crashing out. So we got Locatelli in third. The only reason there was a, a difference. Different outcome. A couple things to point out. Key points from the weekend. Uh, with Batista winning again, that was Ducati's 400th World Superbike win. Hit a big milestone for Ducati. Okay. Uh, if they put however many races are left, that's probably how many more they're going to get this year the way it's looking um, okay oh there you go and then i always like to take some time to you know point out the homeboys the local boys the united states boys not only talking bad about them <laughs> <laughs> gotta give them some credit where it's due 
Garrett Gerloff, you know, representing Texas over there, World Superbikes back on track. They were at the Cathedral of Speed, if I didn't mention that. Garrett Gerloff had an interesting week. I think there's some real promise um, on the BMWs that they've mm-hmm. got out there. The problem was, and it's it's fun to note, I guess, uh, Garrett Gerloff was being followed by Baz during qualifying. Okay. They were on they were on a hot lap. You know, I don't know where that would have put them, but they were on best lap uh, coming to the end of qualifying. And Batista pulled out in front of them, lollygagging, driving on the racing line. It elicited some hands thrown, things like that. Not to mention any names, but Baz. <laughs> Baz may have posted, you know, a clapping clapping emoji and a birdie emoji on his on Twitter afterwards. Okay. Which, gotcha, gotcha. which was pretty funny. But uh, Batista did end up getting a three-place grid penalty uh, for okay. that race one, and it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't hurt him. It didn't matter. Interesting. But, so, how's old? Uh, I have to ask. Petrucci, Danilo Petrucci. He's over there this year, correct? Yeah. So, boys should have stayed in Moto America where he could play king or whatever because it doesn't look great for him. Can't say I'm too upset about that. <laughs> so Patricci was, he's finishing top tens all year. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's climbing in there, but he's generally qualified lower than that. And he's having to fight to get into that top 10. Okay. And, and he's not on a factory ride. He is on a lower level team, if you will. So, he's still on a Ducati though, correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. So it kind of seems like Ducati's kind of taking it on both sides then I'm guessing, or at least from what I'm hearing. Yeah, last year they won both championships. They won both manufacturing championships. They, yeah, it's a, it's a Ducati world we're living in right now. Well, there you go. I guess uh, go out and buy yourself a Ducati. Hey, speaking of that, did you want to announce the new member of our team? Yeah, I gave it a name without you. Ooh, okay, okay. So, to me. J.K. Moto has a new horse in the stable. We'll definitely be talking about it on some future episodes possibly doing some things with it for the show. We are the uh, proud owners of a 2012 848 Evo Ducati. <laughs> not uh, not a Corsa. <laughs> not a Corsa. And uh, code Spain. name. Code name. Okay. The, the Brick. The Brick. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what you think. Uh, now, you know that I get made fun of because there's been one or two times that I've ran a vehicle out of gas. Mm-hmm. You know, in yeah. my in my day, and had to maybe call for help. Sure, it went into the triples now. Ah, okay. The the brick okay. may or may not have made it to the gas station today. Uh, with you on it or next to it? With me on it, trying to drive it to said gas station. How? Um, okay, all right. I'll let you finish. <laughs> so, got to ask why Ducati can't put a gas gauge on a bike. Well, I mean, I could ask that about many bikes, but my. BMW seem to be able to find yeah, your, your BMW's got it. The 2014 675R I rode had a beautiful gas gauge. And then I go out and buy an amazing 2019 Aprilia RSV4 1100 factory. You know, the works and it's got a light. I was like, okay, my, my 08 Jixer has a light. Can we not step up the game a little bit here, guys? Like, let's, <laughs> you know, uh, it can't be that hard. But for some reason, manufacturers tend to pick and choose where they want to spend their money. I don't know why that fell so da- so far down on the list. 
uh, such as life, especially because Aprilia's, let me just go off on a tangent real quick. If you haven't ridden a V4 and especially an Aprilia from all the forums I've read, those things just drink fuel so bad. That's what's crazy too. It'll tell me fuel mileage on the bike, but it doesn't have a gas cage. I was like, I don't really care about fuel mileage. It's a motorcycle. I'd much rather you spend the money on the, on the gas gauge, but. Well, I think there's a common misconception that all motorcycles get good gas mileage. I agree with that. Yeah. Leader, leader bikes. They're more in that like 30 miles of the gallon range. I mean, you're talking about a two and a half gallon tank, you know, you're what uh, I'll, I'll correct you right there. Most sport bikes get a four gallon tank, yeah. four to four and a half. I know the Aprilia is just over four. The Jixxer's at four, your, your Jixxer, which is the same as mine, is at four. Everything I've seen has been four for sport bikes anyway. So don't make me look it up. So we'll, we'll sweep that under the rug and, and verify that for next week. Uh, gas tanks on super bikes. Yep. Look that up. All right. Sorry. Anyway, rough tangent there. Uh, yeah, we've got, got the new bike that you went and picked up yesterday, Saturday. Yeah. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. <laughs> looking forward to see how much it uh, lives up to its name. So you're, you can be the judge. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, We'll get together. We'll both ride the bike. We'll put it on track, um, and we'll uh, we'll decide. But after running out of gas and getting that taken care of, and you know, first time actually driving it, brought it back to the garage. Going, is this really ever in a sport bike? Did technology <laughs> really change that much? I mean, there's some Ducati lovers that are gonna attack me for that. I'm sure. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so but, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't peg us as necessarily Ducati guys, which is kind well, of funny that we went and bought one, but or you went and bought one. Well, well on on one hand, right, I, I get that it's a sport bike, it's fast, it's that's that's not my argument. But I, I told you I keep thinking of it as being older than it is. And if mm-hmm. I'm just comparing it to the Jixer, I'm like the Jixer, I can flip it back and forth. I can it just it just feels like I can move the bike. And I get on that and it's like Oh, this is cool. This is like this old classic, you know, thing. And yeah, it drives like a brick because it's old. And I have to keep reminding myself that it's it's years newer than the Jixers that we're putting on the track. Right. And then I'm uptick for the Jixer. <laughs> just, just throwing those well, out there. Well, it's not even that. When I when I put it in the garage next to the BMW, the S1000, my track bike is a 2010. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there looking at the technology on that bike and looking at that bike, which is dated, it's old. I mean, that's an old bike at this point, but I'm looking at it next to that Ducati going, man, that's so far advanced, so far ahead of that. that well, and even, even just the styling, I think too, the, yeah. for some reason that that specific year range just looks old. It looks like an, an iconic bike, right? An iconic oh, yeah. Ducati, but it's not really in that year range to be, you know, it's not from the eighties. It's not from the nineties. Yeah, and it, not that and not cool. that the '80s and '90s are super old, just but they were yesterday, and uh, <laughs> just so just so everybody doesn't think I'm just flat out hating on Ducati, I do acknowledge that an 848 is not in the class of an S1000, even when you're comparing year to year. I know Ducati had bikes much much further up the food chain, so I'm I'm not trying to compare it directly. It's just. I love the bike. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. The thing rips, you know, it goes nice. It's going to be really interesting to see what it does on the track. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to it. 
I guess if, if we didn't have anything else in World Superbike, this might be a great time to get into Moto America, which kind of ties into the Ducati on the track in some way. Okay, yeah, I'm confusing you. Well, the man that we had that I had an opportunity to speak with today said that he might actually be at Track Day Circus this year. He might show face out there, so that's how that's all yeah. going to tie in. Oh, okay, I, I understand now. So we're yeah. going to be putting the Ducati's going to hit the track uh, at the Track Day Circus. That's the that's the tentative plan right yep. now. So I, I get where you're going with that. Yeah, I get it. But full, that brings full us circle. Yeah, full circle. Speaking of your interview today, before we get before we get too far into Moto America, we want to start with Easton had the opportunity to talk to Anthony Norton, aka Lugnut. <laughs> uh, Anthony is, at least in my mind, he's a local hero currently from out here in the West. Uh, so so proud of what that guy did this weekend and what he had the opportunity to do. So Brandon Posh uh, races the. Stock 1000 class for Atlas Motorsports. He broke his back training or playing on a motocross bike, mm -hmm. I, I believe. And uh, Anthony Norton got the call and was able to go and fill in for him this week. That's quite exciting to me. Yeah, and it's it's looking like, well, and I think he mentions it in the, in the interview, but it's looking like he might be there uh, for the next race also. Oh, that's great. And I'll let him uh, tell the rest and then we'll kind of hash it out a little bit afterward. If you're good for that. Yeah. Hey, I'm Anthony Lugnut Norton, racing for Altus this weekend, Moto America, part of Apex Assassins. Nice shirt. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you, let's start with how the race went today. Uh, obviously, it's not as a, too touchy of a subject. Not at all. Yeah. As a racer, you always want more. You can go out there and set a record and win a race, and you're like, man, I could have went two tenths faster. So right. racers are never satisfied. Okay. Uh, I'm definitely not satisfied, but we're learning a new track this weekend. We learned a new bike this weekend. And uh, we didn't even get a test in on this thing, so it was great data. Right. So moving forward, I think we'll just continue to progress. I think we finished uh, just outside the points, unfortunately, both okay. days, but went faster today. So that's something to at least hang our hat on. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So are you going to be with Altus the rest of the year? Is that how it's looking? Or You know, I would love to. It's a great team. Um, Brandon Posh is an amazing rider, and technically that is his ride. And right. so I'm filling in until he's better. Uh, he came out to support yesterday, and he's still in a lot of pain. Uh, we hope he gets better soon so we get back on this thing because he rides it better than I do. And I miss my Cowie sometimes. So <laughs> Understood. Understood. Yeah. How did you gain this opportunity? I guess you're – do you do racing outside of this? Yeah. Okay. So I've been club racing for three years. That's when I started doing this, three and a half years. Utah, Colorado, California, Nevada, now Arizona. Okay. So um, – had some success, won a few championships and things like that. And I've uh, created some, some opportunities for myself. So, you know, we got a phone call. Actually, Mike was involved with that. He knows who I am. And, you know, they figured I was a safe bet to put on the motorcycle to bring it home, shiny side up, and right. give me a little crack at doing this stuff for real. So Sweet. So after this weekend and your experience, do you, like, foresee yourself trying to chase this, or are you going to stick with the club racing? Well, we did a couple rounds last year as privateers, just my girlfriend and I. She's okay killer she's does everything for me tire changes i mean everything except for maybe doing a spring change in the fork or something like that she literally handles everything so it's us two versus the world we like to laugh about right um so even uh once bp gets better and he's back on this all this machine and riding the wheels off of it i think we'll probably finish the year out on my cowie and then see what happens for next season okay awesome yeah. awesome well uh was there anything else you wanted to add i mean there's a lot of people out there that i 
they looked forward to this opportunity probably more than I did, you know, and the reality is if you love this stuff and you want to get an opportunity like this, get out there, race, make connections, have fun, take a chance. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Take a awesome. chance. So, I guess that one last question, like any tips or anything to the, you know, I ride at the track, the other half of this podcast, Cole Burmester, he rides at the track. Mm -hmm. uh, any tips to those guys that might be off the street on the track and they're like, Hey, I want to try this racing thing. You know, that's kind of how it went for me. I was a canyon carver and somebody was like, go to a track day. I should have listened to him years ago, but four years ago, I went to my first track day. And then about six months later, I cut my bike up and made it a race bike because okay. somebody's like, you need to go racing. Uh, if you want to go fast on a motorcycle, get on the grid. Yeah. That's all there is to it because, you know, there's always going to be someone to chase. There's always going to be someone to race with. And and not just that, but like the relationships I've built in the sport are second to none. So, uh, again, take a chance. Like if it's in your mind, go for it. Just right. do it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, any shout outs you want to give to anyone out that's out there? Maybe yeah, big thanks to Altus again, uh, Apex Assassins, big time supporters of me and my racing. Uh, go ride with those guys. Legal Ride gave me this chance too. They're out of Vegas. Let's see, Crossbeam Builders. He's actually out of Utah, so he's a USBA racer. Okay. But, uh, you know, he wanted to see me get this shot too, so he helped make it happen. And then 61 DTC. Usually I'm on these Pirellis, not these Dunlops. So that was another <laughs> obstacle this weekend. This is a lot yeah. different tire, but yeah. yeah, those guys definitely made this weekend happen. So awesome. All right. Well, hey, thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. So that was Anthony Lugnut. Uh, I'm just going to refer to him as Lugnut because that's how he refers to himself. And I think that's <laughs> the, that's the easiest from here on out. I know you've had some conversations with them. You've ridden with Apex Assassins a lot more than I have. So uh, they ride well, mostly Vegas and Chuck Walla. I want to say yeah, they bounce back and forth the way I see it. Typically they do a couple track days at Las Vegas and then they spend the whole summer in Chuckwalla. Okay. And then in the fall, they'll knock out a couple more in Vegas. Right. Yeah. And then also in the summer in July, uh, for the past, I don't know how long actually, but they've been one of the hosts of the track day circus. So mark your calendars for those of you that are on i'd say the entire west coast honestly i think the umc perimeter is such a rare experience and this might be the last year they they've said that for the last couple of years but umc is just getting harder and harder to work with have yeah, for lack of better words some issues so yeah if you have a chance mark your calendars july 2nd and 3rd we'll be out there apex assassins will be out there like i said lug nuts said he's He's planning on showing up you know, I had the opportunity to talk to him for a few minutes more than just this interview. I'll let you kind of speak on that a little more because you've been to the circus before. Track day circus. It's a interesting event. Um, it's a two day, two day track day. Like Easton mentioned, it's on the perimeter. If you look up the Utah motorsports campus, they, they actually have four configurations that they can run at that track for lack of funding, let's say. They haven't for a few years now been able to allow us to run the full course. So instead of that, they do what we what they call the outside the perimeter. That's Which a, is three? Nah, three I don't have, one. Yeah, it's just over three. Okay. And then the, the full course is like almost four or just over four. So that's the difference between those. But yeah, if you want to do some top speed runs on your bike. That's the that's the one to do because that's a long straightaway there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, you can, it is. You can floor the bike and think about it. Yep. Track day circus is it's it's Apex Assassins as you mentioned. It's also mm -hmm. Legion Moto, I believe. Last year, I think there was three different track day event organizers that came together to do it. I know they've threatened it a couple times, but the threat is real. This is the last track day circus in Utah. They're already, they haven't announced where the next one will be, but it won't be in Utah. 
So if you're anywhere in the area, definitely worth coming out. They try to set up a lot of different things, uh, bike shows, axe throwing last year. You had, you know, mini bikes, mini bikes racing around a cone course in the parking lot, trying to see who could set the best lap times, stunt bike riders, all those things. It's more of an event than a track day. It's even if you're not riding, you should come out, check it out. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm super looking forward to it. You know, it's the second and third of July, July 4th set next day. There's always activities going on. I was, I just want to point out, there's a great fireworks show that Utah puts on at Thanksgiving point. It's just right around the mountain yep. from where the track is. Um, and then, like you said, they've got all that other stuff going on. So, and with it being the last year you've ridden the East and West, I haven't, but I can say that the perimeter is definitely worth checking off your list. And if the, this might be the last opportunity to do that. So yeah, I'd say if you're anywhere nearby, you know, you got a couple months, uh, plan it out, get out there, come say hi to us, come say hi to Apex Assassins and, and come ride with us. It'll be a great time. Sounds like you get to say hi to Anthony. Yeah, absolutely. He should be there. I guess that brings us into Moto America. Let's talk Moto America. Okay. So since, since you left me at the house, you didn't, you didn't I, let yeah, me go on this journey. I don't say I didn't let you. I invited you. <laughs> I, I think while it's fresh, you know, we, we took some hits at Coda coming off of that race. We took some maybe hits of the facility or I thought of a few more that I'd like to not bring up, but you know what they are. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you some questions. What's the, what's the biggest difference? You know, one of the things we complained about was why isn't Mark Marquez shaking my hand? Yeah. Um, okay. Versus Moto America. What's, what is the driver interaction or the rider interaction with you the casual observer all right well i'll get right into that because i would say that that is the biggest difference is bang for your buck moto america races are not they're not cheap it's not a five dollar ticket but they're not expensive either i think it was 40 40 for me and 40 for the wife right and that gives you foot access to everything all day and that was, that was just Sunday. We only went Sunday because, again, I was busy elsewhere on Saturday. But, yeah, we showed up at about 8 o'clock, parked, and then walked straight down to the pits. And I saw just about every rider that wasn't actively out on the track doing a warm-up at that time. You know, shook hands with a few of them. Uh, talked to Josh Heron for a little bit. Uh, talked to him about maybe getting on here. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, just kind of keep that under the rug also for now. And then obviously, you know, is able to do a full interview and that's the type of stuff that you, you just can't get at MotoGP. You have full, as a spectator, full access to the pits. You can go talk to the teams. You can see what they're doing. You up close and personal to the bikes. I'll tell you, it was, it was weird here in Harley's down there in the pits this morning, warming up. Um, Hold on. Let me, let me interrupt because you, you, you jumped to one of my, <laughs> my next casual question. Okay. Was somebody selling Harley t-shirts? <laughs> Oh, what do you know? Yeah. So actually before we went down to the pits, that was, uh, where we stopped. They were, we went back later cause they were just kind of setting up, but yeah, no, Harley Davidson was out there. Aprilia from Savannah, Georgia was out there. There was a Yamaha group out there doing test rides. There were probably 20 to 30 different Harleys, uh, that you could test ride. Let me actually pull up, you know, while we're here doing screen share, let me pull up a sweet video for you guys. Of a funny experience. I'm I'm kind of gonna give Harley some some flack for this, uh, but you know what? You, it was... you need an excuse. <laughs> no. So I mean, I was I was happy, right? They were there, and part of that I think is because they have the 
the race series, uh, which is a big, big part yeah. of it. They're Battle in the baggers, of course, out yep. there racing Harleys, as well as some of the hooligans class. Yeah, and and that's something that like one of the commentators was saying is that apparently that rivalry is is actually pretty big here in America, uh, and not just in the paddock between the two groups, but I guess there was like an Indian guy that pulled up. He pulled his bike down into the pits in front of one of the Harley tents and then just did this massive burnout, right? Just to get some of that rivalry going, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, so long, speaking of burnouts, that's perfect to bring me into this little it, video. It, this is all a, right. Yeah. Harley Davidson street glide burnout that I did today. So. <laughs> What is this? Don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. Here we go. Notice the rev noise versus what my hand's doing. Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> For those that are just listening, Easton is sitting on a Harley street glide. It's a street glide. Yep. So he's sitting on a Harley street glide. He is twisting the throttle multiple times and the sound that's coming out does not match at all and smoke <laughs> just magically starts to appear from the rear tire i don't know what you're talking about i did a burnout i was what obviously doing a burnout what is that contraption <laughs> so we were in uh what did they call it the fan something or other i don't i don't even know but it's a big open parking lot area where they had all the boots and all the people and the food and everything else and i'm walking past all the harleys and we're about to head down to watch the race and this lady's like Hey, do you want to do a burnout? And I was like, yeah, I want to do a burnout. I look over. I'm like, are they offering free? This is sweet. Yeah, I'll burn the rubber off a of Harley. <laughs> you know me. I like my burnouts, right? I can't wheelie that well, but man, I can do a burnout. You know, I walk over, put my bag down. And I was like, yeah, you know, no one else is really getting into it. I don't know if everyone else is scared. And she's like, oh, it's just a fog machine, by the way. And I was like, ah, okay. And so, so when she you got said, done, just all bah, 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 did you get off and say, I still want to do a burnout? I did actually. And she's like, Well, you know, tires. I was like, I'll buy the tire. I told her, I was like, Let me buy the tire. I'll burn the whole freaking thing. <laughs> but no, I mean, I just, I had to share that because it was kind of funny. It was That's uh, fan involvement. That is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. And after I stepped up, a few other people got up there. Yeah. I guess they had some sort of electronic switch just hooked up to the throttle. So as soon as you twisted it, it just started the show for you. I could have. Could have sat there from there on out, but I was trying to get into it, you know. <laughs> yeah, to to go on with fan engagement. Yep, there were Harley Davidson t-shirts. Many t-shirts sold today, guaranteed. But no, they were out there. It was awesome. Seeing them out there, seeing, you know, the, the Aprilia guys, because I Savannah, Georgia is only a couple hours from me. And so I'll probably stop down in and say hi to them again. Uh, it was it was nice, a lot nicer than I think the experience that we were a little sad about at Coda. So let's just let's just stick with the bagger. While, while we're on it, Harley's racing, Indians yep. racing. How, how was the show? Without taking into account, you know, different races have different uh, levels of excitement. Right. It wasn't the most exciting race. No. So the field spread out really quick. Uh, oh, real quick, before we get into this, I, I got to bring this up. There was one bike today that stood out more than any other bike that was there. And the reason why is because I was thinking back to our conversation last week of your team versus my team. And I just could not figure out where to put this guy because I'm looking at and you all didn't know if he was on your team or my team. I couldn't figure it out. Man, this guy, let's see, probably I think it was a ZX12, right? So you got a ZX12 lowered, 
little bit stretched. So you would assume my team, right? That's where yeah, we're going. Man. Yeah, we're leaning that way at this point. No jacket, pants, nothing. You know, shorts, tank top, Jesus sandals, your classic Kawasaki rider. But the bike. Some people say that about Suzuki riders for the record. It, that's why I got to put classic Kawasaki rider out there. <laughs> I mean, you and I both know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> I've seen it more more personally on a Kawasaki than a Suzuki. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, well, but the bike was completely chrome. The the fairings were chrome wrapped, the windshield, the tank, the frame, like I'm talking not a single piece besides the rubber on the tires, not a single piece of this bike was anything other than chrome. And I was just like, who's, whose team is that? Because yeah. that's like, I mean, chrome, that's, chrome gets Harley's home. You know, I hear that. I never actually heard that, but I think people <laughs> try and say that. Um, this guy obviously thinks that, so... Anyway, I just I won't go into that much more, but that was out there today, and it was a great time. So, All right, back back to the race. Yeah, so the baggers. Um, you've said this before. I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or not, but I think we were talking about drag racing and just the the feeling in your chest more than just the sound. You know, you can feel it. You're there. Yep. Uh, I felt that from the bagger race more than anything else when they were all together, right? So we were sitting for every race that we watched, we were sitting in – right at corner 10 a and 10 b uh which is where the main grandstands are i'll get more into the road atlanta layout for spectators later but great place to sit absolutely loved it a lot of action there and watching man watching those harley so you're coming down the back straight or not the back straight but a, a straight ish coming in pretty hot and then you take this quick left quick right and then you're going down Towards the main straight it was insane watching all the other bikes it was even more insane watching these guys throw these big baggers back and forth in that corner and watching how how well they actually handled and that's something that got spoke about a lot was how well they handle for so they have a minimum weight of 620 pounds and they then i have to weigh that yeah yeah the minimum for the class is you have to weigh at least 620 pounds which is heavy when you think about it you know there's an extra 200 pounds on your classic street sport bike yeah, it was impressive. And then, like I said, before they got spread out too far, they were just the thumping, heart pounding, literally just feel all that pressure from the exhaust in your chest. Uh, it was actually really cool. I really enjoyed it. Kind of funny because a lot of people, you know, they did that race last, which tipped to Moto America. If you want to get more people out for King of the Baggers, maybe I noticed you do your stock 1000 first thing in the morning to, I, I feel like to get people there. And then maybe they don't watch the races in the middle, but they're there. Because they're going to stay till the Medallia Superbike, right? Right. If you put the King of the Baggers before the Medallia Superbike, chances are you'll get more spectators there. Because once the Superbike race was over, half the grandstands cleared out and all the Harley riders, stereotypical kind of looking Harley dudes, were up on the fence watching, which is great. That's great to see. I'm glad those guys were out there not trying to take hits at anyone there. But for Moto America, I think you could kind of lend that more towards more people watching it and getting interested so i have some really strong opinions on the going back to the rivalry thing okay um i have some strong opinions on the indian versus harley i, I think we could maybe do a whole episode on the the history of that rivalry and let people decide for themselves um, so, I'm not, so i'm not just throwing my opinions into it right. but it is it is interesting i don't know how many listeners or i don't know if you've ever really paid attention to flat track racing i have not 
not even a little bit, honestly. But I know that it exists. Yeah. Well, I I really enjoy it. Watch it when I can. It seems to me that since Harley and Indian have gone bagger racing, there's not enough money to go around, and major major sponsors are getting pulled from that sport. That okay? Because those are the biggest players in that sport as well. Right. They have a 450 class that'll get you know a lot of your dirt bikes and stuff mm-hmm. in flat track, but then they have a V twin class, and so of course your V twin class, you got your Harleys and your Indians and. They've been battling since the beginning of time, and right. now they're so much. So much attention is getting fo- focused on baggers; it's really hurting that sport. I can see that as a downfall. The the other thing I wanted to talk about with the baggers is you've got this rivalry, Harley versus Indian. But let's be let's be honest for a second. You and I both like Harleys. We talked about that last week. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. But my generation doesn't care. Then I'm I'm sorry to say it, but they don't care. They go into the store and they might buy an Indian because it looks cool. They might buy a Harley because it looks cool. But they also might buy a Kawasaki because it looks cool. Or a Honda or whatever else. They don't care. And kind of the whole weekend, especially when I was walking through the pits this morning here and all these Harleys, I was like, you know, the King of the Baggers is awesome, I think personally, and we can talk more about that later, but what they're trying to do is awesome. I like what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to get more, it feels like more American oriented racing, right? Mm-hmm. And show people that, Hey, every bike you ride could be a race bike. So grow the, grow the sport. Yeah, exactly. But, and maybe this is sacrilegious, but I, I kept thinking the whole weekend is like, where is Kawasaki? Where are the other cruiser bikes that have bags in this series? Like, why not? Why not try and get them in there? So I th- we'll need to fact check me on this. Okay. But there may be a rule in there that it's American. It could be. And yeah, absolutely. But I, I guess my, my point is that I think personally, if Kawasaki put together a team, brought out a Vulcan, I don't, that's the only model I know as far as their cruisers go, but I think that's what their bagger equivalent is. Brought one out, built it and raced it. I'm pretty sure Harley would win still as they have been would that not help change the minds of young americans if they come out and they see racing on these cruisers that they know they like and then they see that the harley is not only the best looking and the best you know anyway um but also it's winning races right and it's got all the aftermarket backing it up it's got all you know vance and hines and all its screaming eagle all that stuff is there would that not help also bring people towards harley if you had more than just harley versus indian yeah, that's a that's a that's a way I haven't thought about it before. From yeah, Harley's beating Indians or Indians beating Harley's. That's one thing. Maybe from your generation, like you said, that they need to see them beating the Suzukis and Kawasaki's that they love. Right. Yeah. Prove to them that hey, the the American bike is worth it. We'll we'll have to do this on another episode because I don't have time to teach you. <laughs> but okay, our generations are just so different. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, on any street block, you knew that one guy had a Harley. He must right. be rich. He's either a, you know, a crazy biker that stole it or he's rich. One or the other. And there used to be waiting lists at Harley Davidson dealerships. If you wanted a certain color, you were waiting. You know, there was six month waiting list, one year waiting list. It was such a status symbol to have a Harley. Right. And at some point, and we'll get into that at a later date, but at some point they changed it. It's just... You get a Harley and you get a Harley and a Harley for everybody. And it watered down the pride people had in owning a Harley in the first place, I think, to where, yeah, you know, everybody's got a Harley. So it's it's not that it's not a status symbol the way it used to be. But even watered down, 
I think that even kids your generation, even you, let's call you out. Okay. Okay. You got a Harley. I do. It meant something to you. I don't care if you lie on this podcast or not, but it meant something to you. It was like a check. You were like, I've owned a Harley. I have a Harley in there. And it was a bigger check than owning a Kawasaki would have been as an American. I agree. No, there was definitely a, so when I lived in Washington, I lived by this pub and there were always bikes parked out in front of the pub. Right. And I would drive my Jixer past the pub and I'd kind of be a little like, you know, these guys hate me because <laughs> they're all just big old Harley Davidson's, right. The big old V twins thumping and whatever else. And I was like, these guys hate me. I'm not cool. They're cool. I'm not cool. I'm a different kind of cool, you know, the first time, in fact, on my way home from buying my Sportster, which is just a Sportster 1200, nothing super crazy, but on my way home, I drove past there with this new sense of pride. And I swear, this probably isn't true and I'm making it up in my head, but I remember a couple guys being out there and looking at me and giving me the good old nod of approval. Like, yeah, you, son, you have made it. I was like, <laughs> I have made it. Thank you very much. Uh, I have made it in life. Yeah. So. Yeah. So just imagine that feeling sense of accomplishment or that sense of checking a box or, or whatever times a thousand, right? Mm -hmm. It was, it was such a big deal to bring a Harley home. Such, such a status symbol. I would compare it to in America, it's a status symbol to buy a BMW or an Audi, right? Uh, yeah. People think it is, even though in the world we're living in right now, that's, that's still, that's still stuff coming from the past because Right now, you can go to a dealership and you can find certain BMWs that cost the same or less than the Toyota or whatever. But when you pull that BMW in your driveway, it's still a status symbol compared to bringing home a new Toyota, even if the Toyota costs more. Yeah, it is. That's what Harley has. That's what they had. And that's what's being watered down and has been being watered down. And I don't know that they'll ever get it back. Maybe. I don't know. I just, I do think, um, sorry, not to throw you way off there, but we got to get back on topic. But to close that up, I do think that bringing a few other manufacturers in could help my younger generation. Because right now you're really just appealing to the older generation that is already made up their minds and building that rivalry there. Sure. That's great, but it's not going to grow. It's just going to stay where it's at. And when that generation dies off, it's going to die off with it. So if you want to bring it up, bring it up the right way. Fair enough. Anyway, moving on. So we don't get too far off talking about cars and BMWs because we'll talk, we'll talk for hours. <laughs> well, let's talk about, so the Moto America was way more fan engagement. Mm -hmm. Yep. How about, so I, I joked about the Harley t-shirt sales. Of course they're selling Harley shirts. They're racing <laughs> Harleys on the track. That's true. But that being said, how was it? Cause you, you mentioned a lot of local dealers, which is something we brought up last in the last podcast. So it sounds to me, I don't know the answer to this, and I, I don't think you do either, but is the feeling that Moto America is more open to, hey, Savannah Harley, get down here. We'll open up a spot for you. Maybe it's cheaper. Maybe it's more accessible. And I, I think that's less Moto America and more the racetrack, uh, and especially for Road Atlanta because they have so much space there in their infield. Right. So I think they say, hey, we're doing an event. Who wants to come out? And I don't know. I haven't looked into that, but it, it kind of felt there's definitely room. Yeah, there's definitely room. It's got to be cheaper. It's got to be easier. The other thing is that you bring in so much more of a local crowd also, right? Because there are so many people there in the stands and camping 
that have obviously been going to Moto America at Road Atlanta since the beginning. Right. And they just they just know that's what they do every year, right? And so, right. yeah, from that side, absolutely, I'd say it was probably more accessible, a lot easier. So how many vendors, to, to finish up with that question, how many vendors were there versus the CODA event? That's rough because CODA is so big that there were definitely less vendors there, um, but more of the ones I would like to see. Less of the big guys, you know, you're like just Alpine stars period and more of your local, like I said, Aprilia out of Georgia, the local Harley. I think the Yamaha was just the Yamaha trailer that goes everywhere, honestly, because they had the same bikes that we saw at Coda, the same tents, the same everything. But like your food trucks, even honestly, your food trucks are all local. There were quite a few of those guys out there. So less, less overall, uh, but easier to get in and, and more approachable, friendly hometown guys. You know, it's not someone you've never seen before. It could be the guy that you go to his dealer every day, or, you know, you're bringing your friend from up the road that's never been to this dealer, but you know the dealer because you take your bike there and you can introduce him and, and build those relationships a lot easier. Gotcha. A lot more low level, personable people, I would say. A lot of times we hear that, you know, like a barber tracks in the U.S., you know, we always hear the problems with tracks. Mm -hmm. um, there are quite a few tracks, I think, in the U.S. that the track itself, maybe with some improvements and some paint and spit polish, the track itself could host some MotoGP bikes, but the facilities cannot. That's why I ask maybe a silly question, but seating, bathroom, I mean, what are they lacking there I, as a guy that's never been to that facility? So I never made my way around to, they've got this big building across from the pits. And it looks like where all their official stuff happens, you know, where they're controlling cameras from and everything else. And I never made it around to there. I will say that the the live coverage, you know, they mentioned it during it, but they have more more microphones this year and things like that. Um, so technology wise, they're vamping up. But Road America is 100% a camping track. If you're going to watch a race, you might as well go for the whole weekend, bring your trailer, bring your tent, bring your whatever and camp out. Because their grandstands is this like, it's at turn 10 A and B and it's the shelf of cement steps that just mm -hmm. go up the hill and they're at cement in quotation marks, falling apart, pretty beat up, not comfortable to sit on. But most people there knew that, right? And they brought their canopies, their, their chairs, a couple guys had grills out there. I didn't see an actual bathroom facility the entire day I was there. Again, I was only there for a day and I didn't explore super far. But most of that infield, it's a big infield, big track, big infield. There's trees all throughout. Most of it is just taken up by camping spots. There were so many campers out there, which is awesome. That's great. You can camp pretty much the entire perimeter of the track. You know, pick your corner for the weekend, bring a TV, watch it live while you're watching it at the track. That sounds like a great weekend to me, but that's kind of like the best way to experience that. There's no really like main grandstands that are perfect for it. The only con I'll really give that is, well, I guess two, if you're going in not knowing that and all you take is, you know, yourself and a backpack with some water, you might not have the best day. Uh, luckily it's Moto America, so you can walk down to the pits. You can wander around. You don't like have to sit in your seat, you know, seat. 12A, there's no such thing, right? You just kind of sit where you want, walk around, talk to people, whatever. So it kind of makes up for that. Moto America could have a bigger TV, right? Right across from our grandstands was their TV. Uh, I saw them at the Ridge last year. They were fine at the Ridge where they were. They were not quite big enough, or this one anyway, it wasn't quite big enough. I could barely see it, but it was there. I watched it. The track's pretty, it's two and a half miles, uh, but they were doing what, low 120? Yeah, 124s. So low to mid 120s. So they came around pretty consistently. Uh, so it wasn't too bad in that aspect.
This is backpedaling just a little bit, but did you notice how much a beer costs? I never looked. I can say the food was expensive. Uh, we went to, well, just back on the personal level, I guess, one of the dudes with the food truck, we got out there pretty early in the morning and he kind of caught us and he's like, man, you guys are here early. We're like, well, yeah, can't miss any of the action. You know, he's like, oh, all right, awesome. Right. I had a whole conversation with them. Super nice guys. We're like, yeah, we'll go support his food truck, which again is just a shout out to local, local anybody. If there's a motorsports event, most motorsports fans are pretty nice people. You will get the customers. And then chances are they'll follow you because you supported their event. They want to support you. So yeah, we went back to him for food, a little pricey as it always is at the track. Uh, I didn't look at any, any drink prices. Don't have that answer for you. Probably cheaper than Coda. <laughs> I, I hope so. Not many people can afford to drink there. Yeah. So what else, what else can you tell us about the track to sum that up? Road Atlanta. Another quick tip for Moto America, print out a freaking infield map and hand it to everybody that drives in because I drove in and I was like, okay, I'm just going to follow the person in front of me. Then they pulled off into somewhere random and I was like, there's no sign. There's no one here. Am I allowed to park here? So I picked the next vehicle in front of me and followed them, right? Finally made it to a parking spot. And then we get out of the car and I'm walking around and there's like a sign that says turn three spectating that way. I look and I'm like, that's a long road that leads into some trees and I don't know where anything is my only experience with road atlanta before this was on a video game so obviously it's not going to give you anything so eventually found a sign that said pits are this way i was like all right i'll go down to the pits right and there's a little bit of back and forth with the wife because they're like well where are we going to sit i was like i don't know <laughs> i don't even know where you can sit and we ended up having to we almost walked all the way up this hill but we pulled over and uh stopped talked to a couple that was camping there i was like hey where where's the best place to watch you guys look like you've been here before they're like, oh, there's some grandstands over at turn 10, you know, just walk back over the bridge and you'll get there. And there's a TV over there. It's like, okay, right. That sounds good. So having a map of the infield would be really nice because it's, it's big enough that there's, there's roads, like two lane roads, just going all over the place in there. In the it's forest. Very, yeah. In the, in the trees. Right? Know, in the forest. Yep. In the trees, in the forest, very hard to navigate if you don't know what you're doing. And especially where we showed up so early in the morning and it wasn't like packed and there were, you know, no noise or crowds of people to follow yet but beyond that great experience turn 10 is a great place to watch from the tv was just big enough that you can watch the whole race without too many issues you know next time they'll pull out the camping chairs and take them just so it's a little more comfy but beyond that yeah i just say if you're planning on going to road atlanta uh, maybe look up a map of the infield beforehand take some chairs take a canopy you know umbrella whatever it's not like moto gp it's not like coda so there's not rules really it's super super laid back easy going you can kind of do what you want so you know make an event out of it and get out there and, and go watch the race local very good so were you sitting in them camp chair broken bleachers whatever it may be and were you jonesing to put a bike out on that track where's that one fall yes, <laughs> yes kind of <laughs> i was until i looked at the lap time it's a two and a half mile track to put that in perspective, right? Two point, I'm looking at it right now, 2.55 miles. The ridge without the chicane is 2.35. So 0.2 shorter. Moto America is running like 135s to 140s at the ridge. So 10 seconds slower, which you and I both know what that looks like. Yep. That's a big difference. So this is a fast track. Yeah. There's a lot of, 
a lot of big power areas. Definitely one I want to check out. Again, I have minimal video game experience on it, but even that, and then a few videos that I've watched have told me that, yeah, I want to put a bike out there. And then just watching that turn, turn 10 A and B. Oh, absolutely, man. Watching the bikes come down that hill. You know, you watch the race today and obviously it was there live. They come down that hill. They're so heavy on the brakes. They whip it left. They whip it right. They're right back on the gas really, really hard. The bikes are buckling and just shaking. I was fearing, <laughs> fearing for Josh Heron out there. You know, I'm rooting for him. And every time he comes around that corner, exit out of turn 10, the whole bike and him are just wiggling back and forth. And I was like, man, is he going to stay on that thing? And he did. Well, well, that brings us in. That brings us into the racing. It does. Turn How, 10 is, I mean, I'm sorry about this, but was turn 10 where you could have brought your marshmallow sticks? <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, before we get into that, how about Cam Bobier? I don't know if he has any skill. I think it's the BMW. Okay. <laughs> no. All right. Yeah. Great, great job, Cameron. That was awesome. What an exciting way to start on Saturday. I mean, the breaks, the breaks, the breaks, the breaks. Man, every time I'm like, is he going to? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Just out breaking, man, every single time. And, I got to give it up for Josh, Josh Heron. We Absolutely. both love him. I think we love him for that move he made at the end. No, that's why That's why we're here. That's why we watch racing is for stuff like that. People that are willing to to put, honestly, to put their life on the line for, for my benefit. <laughs> I know Josh Heron did a lot of work this year. Uh, they were saying that all weekend. He got his factory ride on the, with the big boys. It was clear this weekend that that work paid off. Uh, I know race one, you know, he took third and he was 1.9 seconds behind, but he posted on Instagram. One time he was close to three seconds back. Right. And that's what I was going to say. He posted on Instagram that, you know, they came back up at the end of the race and he thought that the, overnight his team was going to work hard. They'd get the bike brought back up. They didn't have a whole lot of testing on it beforehand, which was kind of the theme of the weekend. Yeah. Bobier did not either. Right. I mean, well, a lot and, of people are in that boat. And to throw back to, to Lugnut, it's not a hit at Altus at all, but they, they were blowing up clutches yesterday on Saturday is what they were telling me. Almost every bike on the grid was blowing up a clutch. His was kind of uh, slipping a lot. Didn't quite blow up, but was slipping a lot. They they assumed since there was every bike that it was just an oil problem. They got a bad batch of oil. Um, so nothing against them. You know, that happens, but that's rough. And it sounds like there were a lot of people out there that was like no testing or almost no testing and still producing amazing results. It's kind of a common theme in Moto America, but just so that people understand the reason that happens a lot is especially when they're dealing with European manufacturers, you know, whether BMW, Ducati, those guys, those, those guys are all fronting world superbike teams mm -hmm. and world superbike is the priority probably should be all those things, but they're usually it's a common theme for them to be waiting for parts, waiting right. for the latest this, the lading that. Those things are being developed in World Superbike and trickling down to Moto America. I'll point out that BMW is factory supporting Cameron Bovier's team. Okay. Uh, the Tyler cycle. I wanted to um, ask you about that because I was surprised to see an actual, you know, 2023 M1000 out there. I was like, wow, okay, this is new for Moto America. Like, this is not like the Shively Racing is still out there on you know, a couple generations newer technically, but the old body style, if you will, S1000. So I'm not used to seeing that. So most teams on the grid. So yeah, with the exception of Yamaha, mm -hmm. Yamaha has some, some factory support. 
from Yamaha Europe. I think they call it Yamaha Europe because it's a European superbike team. Okay. Is where the support's actually coming from. BMW has stepped up and is helping those guys out. I don't know if that's some of the reason, but there's some results coming in, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and talking with the wife earlier about Cambobier and how we're both a little sad that he, you know, you and I are both a little sad that he left Moto2 because I think he had a little more to give. Don't fault him at all for that because I understand how demanding of a of a life that requires. And it is great to have him back. <laughs> Honestly, like today gave me, you know, I, I might go repurchase the app subscription. Okay, I thought, I thought you might. So we touched on the race one. So race one was Cameron Bobier won. Uh, yep. Jake Gagne, the, the two-time defending champion, was in second. Mm-hmm. And Josh Aaron made all those moves you talked about to get into third. Yep. And I thought, finally. Now, Moto America, this is as good to watch as World Superbike. This mm-hmm. is good. And this is what I was hoping for, is this year, Moto America is going to have not just one guy running away with everything, right? We're going we're gonna to finally have somebody fighting. But what that was going to look like, no idea. I was hoping for the best. Saturday, and I don't know how the year is going to go, but yeah. Saturday was a great race. Saturday was an entertaining race, a great race. You had four bikes that could have won that race at the end, right? Mm-hmm. You know, within the – definitely yeah. two. Not just in the first two laps, and then Gagne takes off, and we never see him again. Yeah, but today's race, oh, my gosh. There's people calling it the greatest race of Moto America history. I don't know that I can argue. You attended the greatest Moto America race of all time. There are people talking about this race as possibly the greatest superbike race of all time. No, oh, it, it, which is, that might be a far call, but I mean, it was, it, it was awesome. It was amazing. So, what's the race you always point back? What's the race you always point back? Australia. Uh, Moto GP race. Australia in 2015. Yes. That race, you always want to say, you need to rewatch that. You need to rewatch that, right? If you can find somebody that doesn't watch motorcycle racing and just play today's race, they don't know any of the people, just play today's race and then play that 2015 race, this Moto America one dominates that one. All right. I'll watch them side by side with someone that hasn't watched it before. And I'll, you know what? I'll put that to the test. I'll put, put, that, that to the test. put that to the test. Today, had you had a Heron coming from third, jumping all the way to the front. Mm-hmm. You thought now he's gonna. I mean, it was crazy that he made it there. I, I didn't anticipate him doing that. Not that I didn't want that to happen, but I didn't anticipate him doing that. But then once he got there, you were like, now he's running, now he's gone. Yeah. And Bobier just stuck it back to him, and right. it turned into a back and forth and back and forth. It was a great race. I challenge anybody that doesn't watch Moto America to race two, Atlanta Absolutely. 2023. Yep. Road Atlanta 2023, race two, Medallia Superbike. Go check it out. But yeah, I, I can say turn 10, that's where everything was. The uh, the marshmallow roasting you mentioned. Uh, Poor was guy. A, a I can't remember the guy's name. I don't mean I don't, like someone of his. Uh, Jason Waters. Yeah. Yep, Jason Waters. Um, well, and then Cam Peterson's bike just blowing up on the straight out of nowhere. Oh, man. Did you, you, you haven't got a chance to watch it on TV yet, right? But I saw like a little bit of the replay again. The oh, TV yeah. was a ways away, but it looked like a Tesla rocket there for a minute. Yeah. All I remember seeing is like he's riding down, then all of a sudden there's white smoke. Oh, it, it was flames, okay. big flames. But they got that one out, right? Yep. 
with the but it was right after the other one so you had to start going what is going on yeah well that's what i was worried at that point i'm like don't red flag again don't like let's just keep it going because it was such a good battle i don't want to interrupt it at the end of that race that's what i was saying i was yelling at the tv saying nobody crash i don't care who wins Mm -hmm. i i just want it to finish clean yeah which it did it almost didn't they held it but okay, so you might not know this yet because I know he's driven straight from the track to do this podcast. So it's true. You may not have caught this. It appears that Cameron Bobier lost the front on that mm-hmm. last corner, at least slightly, and leaned into Heron, touched mm-hmm. Heron. There were there was something come off a bike that was rattling down the track on the TV replay, forced Heron to miss the corner. You know he he shot across the grass, the gravel, everything else. Well. Huh? So I watched all of that live, and then right. I, I was there. I was there long enough to hear the um, announcers mention what you mentioned. But from my view, it looked like, and why I was giving Josh Heron so much credit was that it looked like he, you know, he lost that place because yeah, because Cam Bobier moved out into him a little bit, lost it, moved out into him, bumped him out. It looked like he came flying down there and said, "Well." This is the last lap. If I want to win, I got to outbreak everybody. Tried to do it. Realized in there, nope, can't do it. Snuck his way through the two, through the grass and gravel, and then finished off the race. So oh. I, I wouldn't say it was due to a bike malfunction. It was purely due to... No, no, no. It wasn't a malfunction, but it was because he was hit. Okay. That that hit knocked him offline, mm-hmm. and it... At that speed, I mean, they're 190. Yeah, okay. Going into there, so it was scary, more so for him than me. He went out across the grass and then re-entered the track and floored it down that final straight to cross the finish line. Took him off the podium, yeah. but there were some real emotions flying when they crossed the finish line. And Cam, Cam knew, maybe not that he had done something wrong per se, but he knew that he had touched. Right. He knew that he had caused it because... Before Heron even got to him, he was already turned around looking behind him. You know, he, he had his hand up trying to tell him. And understandably, Heron was throwing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, he could get his hands on. Hey, after after a race like that, another race where you've been fighting to get to the front and then somebody bumped you. I think they said the lead changed 10 times in that race. Uh, easily. I can tell you that I watched, I would watch uh, Josh Heron take it. And then they'd go around and I'd be trying to watch the TV, but also watching the straggler bikes. And then they come around. I'm like, that's Cam again. And Josh Heron doesn't take it. Then they come around. It's Josh again. And Cam takes it. I'm like, what? (laughs) Who's going to take, you know, it was, I mean, I was on my feet every time they came around. I was on my feet. The whole crowd was on their feet. It was awesome. It was amazing. Ganya was right there behind them, just waiting to scoop it up, which he did in the end. Which he did. Pounced on him. Yep. Like I and said, honestly, Schultz was there too. Uh, not not in the action, but he was he was there with them. So. He was hanging back there. I mean, that little mess up there at the end that could have yeah. went a lot of different ways, and Schultz could have been the one to pounce. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And he was he was definitely up there in contention, keeping with them the whole time. And like you said, Cam Peterson, the only thing that might have made that race better, if that's even possible, is Cam Peterson's bike not blowing up. Whatever happened, because yeah, that guy. That guy's got wheels too. Yep, I agree. He he would have been good up there in that fight. It would have yeah. been a five way fight instead of a four way fight. Absolutely. Well, and that's like I said, I might I might end up purchasing the the subscription. 
because it's worth it's going to be a season worth watching like if there was any moto america season that i could and i think you can back me up on this but that i could send you to it would be this one get so going far, so good. if they come to your local track or anywhere nearby um i'd say up to six hours at least if not more go check them out it's worth it it's not that much money as we talked about at the beginning of this episode just the the fan engagement the uh, opportunities you have you know I'll, I'll say last year i went to josh hair and i was like hey this is at the ridge i was like hey man do you what do you do with your old tires he's like i think dunlop takes them back why and i was like yeah i was just wondering if i could get one he's like to use i was like no you know you just want on it i want want a tire with your signature on it i think that'd be cool uh, and he's like you know hang on and he left for about three minutes and i was like okay this is weird i don't know what he's doing and he comes back with a little like two by two inch square of tire with the signature on it and he's like here man don't tell anyone i gave you that i was like all right which i guess <laughs> but, yeah what are you doing <laughs> i don't think he actually said that but <laughs> but no like you you can't get that in motor gp you know without paying for vip passes or waiting in a 200 person line you can't even get within 20 feet of a rider and you go to moto america for 40 bucks and you can go wherever you want and talk to whoever and you know i'll say be polite and be respectful don't be the guy on the indian doing a burnout at the poor harley guys shop. yeah yeah exactly be be respectful these guys are running a very tight schedule very busy their teams especially are moving bikes parts tires all like the dunlop tire tent oh man the amount of balancing stands they had in there the amount of people they had in there working just nonstop. dudes are constantly taking their little carts back and forth like be respectful of what it takes to put an event like that together but also get down there and say hi check it out you don't get an experience like that anywhere else for that amount of money but that brings me to the subscription does moto america do they or do they not post all the races on youtube the day after uh yes that's new this year they just worked out a deal for example today the moto the race one mm -hmm. was already posted on youtube so if you want to wait a day you can watch them for free on youtube i i heard some people talking about this yesterday they they wanted to Make sure they didn't guarantee that to everybody because there is a possibility of other countries putting in a code so that it gets blocked from their local YouTube if okay. they've got some previous contract with Moto America. But, but that, that makes I did sense. Check but... it. Sorry, I did check it today. It is on there. It was posted already. Okay, because that's, that's what I was thinking the whole time. They were promoting their app a lot this weekend. There was a lady from NHRA out there that was like, you know, at the end of the day, she's like, I'm going to go home and download the app, get the subscription because this is the best stuff I've ever seen, which I agree. Absolutely. I just remember when I had the Moto America subscription, it was, it was on the pricier side. And I kept thinking, I'm like, Hey, you know, for what I'm getting, you're charging me a little bit too much money, especially since it was available on YouTube. You know, I can go back and watch every race, the full race on YouTube the day after or whatever, which that's different because if, you know, if MotoGP had all their stuff on YouTube, the full races, then absolutely don't pay for the app because chances are you can't watch it live in America anyway, because it's at three o'clock in the morning, right? right? Moto America is always going to be at a reasonable time because it's here in America, right? You got your four, however many time zones and that's it. So at most you're three hours ahead or behind. So from that aspect for live racing, yeah, it's definitely worth it. But, and I don't remember the price. I just remember it being a little bit on the pricey side for what I felt like I got. I don't want to get quoted on what it is. It's under a hundred bucks, $89 or something. Could be 69. I could be completely wrong. Right. But I do know that for people listening, as the races click off, it gets cheaper every time. 
if you can buy the remainder of the season for less and less money as a, and also if there's just a race you're super excited about, you know, maybe you don't want to watch any race, but Barber, you can mm-hmm. buy individual races okay. um, straight through the app. It's easy to cast. I only bring that up because for the life of me, I can't figure out how to cast the world, the WSBK app that I also have. There are there are a few shortcomings with the app. Do that another day too. There's some things, well, Moto America is listening. I can't find the schedule. Like <laughs> they wait for the week leading up and then they post the schedule, like the events, the play-by-play, the, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. But I need an easy button where I can say, when's the next race? Right. Yeah, the calendar. The over. Where are they racing next? And Schedule is events, maybe, and then calendar. Yes. Where are they where are they going? When is that going to be? When do I need to set apart my Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, so. and if you want to see like uh, rider results, I know that the the GP app, the World Superbike app, are very easy to just see the results. If you go to like even the Moto America website, it's a PDF. You have to click Superbikes Race One Results. Okay. I just went through it over here on my computer. Yeah. And then <laughs> not you have to super, go back and not say, now I want easy. race two or qualifying yep. or whatever it is. Well, it's and you, just, have to, you have to keep those straight too. So that's my, yep. my only other complaint with Moto America. And I know they're trying to get us more racing and I appreciate that. But I almost wish that they would stretch the calendar, just double up on the tracks per year, not per weekend, if that makes sense. But that's yeah. that's asking a lot. So, Well, I think it's a, I think it's a cost thing. It's, it's, well, I know it is because this year, the Twin Cups, for example, mm-hmm. I believe it's the Twin Cups. They only race one race a weekend, mm-hmm. unlike the other guys. But they just this year decided the Twin Cups guys are saying, hey, we, we have to travel there. We're already there. It's cheaper for our teams to just race just to hit it twice like the Superbikes are doing. Right. Yeah. So, and I, I understand. And. Yeah, I don't foresee that changing anytime soon. You know, Dream World, hit them all twice or add some more tracks. Hint, hint, UMC. I know they're hard to deal with. Let's uh, let's get that figured out, though. We're going we're gonna to work on that. Yeah, we will. Going back to the apps. Okay. Uh, on the apps, the biggest one of the biggest differences I see is on Moto America, when it's live, it's just playing live. If you open the app, Boom, it's at the top of the screen. It's just playing whatever's going on at that minute at the track. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it'll take a little while after the race for them to post. But they'll generally post a video of the race, a separate video of the interview with the podium. So they'll they'll do a separate video with the first place interview, second place interview. Those are all placed in separate videos, which is convenient at times. Watching it live is great, except if you miss it. You got to wait. Not, if you're not there, then I got to wait for it to post. Yeah, same with MotoGP. I don't know how World Superbike is, but... They're the same. They're both Dorna, so there's some similarities between those apps for sure. Right. Well, that's it. I guess I, I can't say it enough. Uh, if you're here in America and you like motorsports or motorcycles especially, or honestly, if for some reason you're a football fan that's watching this podcast or any other sports fan and your summer's feeling real empty because you don't have a team to follow i've got a sport for you it's called moto america go check it out at least start watching on youtube the day after see what you think definitely definitely watch again race two road atlanta medallia superbike is worth a watch you don't need to be invested in the teams yet go check it out it'll get your heart pumping get the adrenaline going it is worth watching yeah one more time start with this week race two you don't need to know who they are (laughs) <laughs> absolutely you, you don't 
we might need to sweep this, but that's what my other thought was. Moto America Fantasy? Is that something we can get going? Is that something that Moto America could put together? Is that something that another company, you know, maybe an app person out here in the U.S. could put together? Uh, just a thought. I don't want to stay on that for too long, but I think that, you know, us Americans, we love our fantasy. We love buy-in. We love that investment. You know, we go all in, right? Like you pick your team. That's your freaking team. Even if they <laughs> suck, that's your team. And you go all in and then you build this fantasy and fantasy just gets the fans more, gives you a reason to watch, right? And maybe your guy wrecked out last week and he's in the hospital, but your fantasy team is a completely different set of people. So you still have a reason to watch. Is that something we could do? Just throwing that out in the, uh, in the universe for now. And we'll, we'll see what, what happens with that. That's a, Yeah, that's about all I had for Moto America. I think we touched both Saturday and Sunday. Can't say it enough. Go watch the race and keep watching them. Okay. Well, I think I think we're about ready to get out of here. Yep. But before we do, let's preview let's preview next week's podcast. Let's do it. Got some good stuff coming up. What can you tell us? So I'll keep it light. Uh, I don't want to get into too many details, but um, if you've seen my Instagram or JK Moto's Instagram, also I'll just throw this out there now. You know, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on whatever platform you're on. We're on. Every podcast platform there is now, Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Samsung, you know, the list goes on. Check us out. Follow us on Instagram, JK, at JK Moto Podcasts. Um, that's where we'll be posting little teasers and kind of updates so you can know, like, what we're going to be doing for the next episode and, and what we're doing in our, our motorcycle-related lives. Um, with that, what I was doing Saturday, I was at Atlanta Motorsports Park. Uh, which we're lucky that I didn't get that name mixed up with Road Atlanta because they're so so similar and only 45 minutes away from each other, uh, which made for a great weekend. Um, I took my Jixer out there, obviously, my track bike, and then I took the Aprilia out there. And so next week we'll be covering uh, that racetrack. A couple of the guys that I talked to there, we rode with, with Evolve GT, great group. Uh, so we'll be covering that, and then we'll be covering how the, how the weekend turned out. Should be a good, good okay. discussion. I think yeah, we'll uh, click that into next week right behind MotoGP. Hopefully our MotoGP coverage doesn't go too long. We'll see how it turns out next week. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be good. I don't want to give anything else away. Otherwise, I'd, I'd go right into it right now, but I don't want to give anything else away. So I guess we can go ahead and wrap up. Yeah, I think we're good. Cool. Uh, Sweet. Thanks again to Anthony. Yeah. Yeah, Bye Anthony and, and the whole the whole Apex Assassins team. Honestly, you know, I met another, we were talking with another guy out there from their team you know thanks for supporting anthony thanks for letting us do track days uh, we we love it and if you're not if you're on the west coast you're not riding with them go ride with them it's a great time they're laid back they're chill they're great agreed yeah and i'll say uh if it's your first time go check out our other episodes stay tuned again follow subscribe whatever it is we should be here every week i'm easton i'm cole and this is jk moto thanks for listening All right thank you see you next time Thank you.